Hello and welcome to the latest episode of Adrian Goldberg's talk show, coming today from Plymouth, where I've come to meet Denise Harrison. Denise is the writer of an incredibly powerful short film called This Is Depression, which was released online on February 2019, which won the best short animation at the American Golden Film Festival. It is beautifully illustrated by an artist called Julie Dosad. The music comes courtesy of Ricky Wilde, who's part of a notable British music clan, and his sister, Kim Wilde, even lays a few vocals over the top. But it is the story itself and its odd, powerful, deadpan delivery that really made me sit up and take notice. And that comes courtesy of the writer, of Denise herself, and it's based on her own lived experience. Denise, hello. Hello. So tell me about This Is Depression, and why did you write that thing that became This Is Depression? Because originally it was a, it was a blog, and it's based on your own personal story. Yeah, it was. Um, obviously, I, I started to write as a way to process things that had happened, you know, the journey that I'd been on and, and everything. Um, and This Is Depression basically wrote itself. And when that happens, I, I kind of sit up and take notice because it, it's almost like something needs to be said, you know, there's a message in there. And so I, I wrote this blog and, uh, and I put it onto Twitter and it had one of the most positive responses that I'd had. Um, and, you know, people were, were commenting and sharing their own stories and, and saying thank you for sharing and, wow, that's really touched me. And, and then Ricky <laughs> got in touch with me um, to say that, you know, he'd been really moved by what I'd written and that's how we kind of formed a little collaboration. And it was a few months down the line, it wasn't immediate, but it just kind of, it was just this little seed that popped in my head. I thought, you know what, this could be a little film. And I'd never made a film, I don't know anything about films, but Twitter, being Twitter, you're bound to come across somebody that does and that, you know, has and... So I, I had a little look and I came across Julie and I messaged her and then we had a phone call and she, yeah, she was on board straight away, you know, so I'd got an illustrator, um, she knew an animator, I got the story and it, it just kind of from this tiny little seed, this crazy little idea of let's make a film started and then yeah it became this little film that, that's now won its first awards and it's you know it's, it's having an impact it's, it's, it's amazing we're all so proud and what was the trigger then for the lived experience i had a really horrible horrible succession of events uh, my relationship broke up with no notice um, it was clear that I couldn't stay in the flat, you know, I, I couldn't afford to stay there by myself. And I tried to do different things. I tried to get a lodger, I, I, you know, I, I, I tried all different things because I'd lived there for eight years. I'd been with him for 12 years, you know, we'd had a long-term relationship. It wasn't some kind of whirlwind romance. We'd, we'd got this solid foundation for a future. And we got cats and a dog and, you know, it wasn't just me and him, it was other things. And is it fair to say that you didn't see the end coming? No, I didn't. It absolutely blindsided me. Um, it was a complete shock. And it, it, it happened out of the blue and, you know, he went and 
I didn't know if it was if it was over or if it was not over and you know I waited for a while and then I found that it was over um, that was the kind of catalyst you know but it, it kicked up I, I realize now but at the time you know I, I, I couldn't process it very well but it kicked up old things that had hurt me in the past you know my dad had died really suddenly and I went to school one morning and he was there and then I, you know I came back from school and he wasn't there and 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 he was the first guy that had left me with no notice for my dad if that makes any sense so that it makes perfect sense to me now the reactions that I had but at the time I just I just couldn't process anything, you know, and I, I went into denial. I, I didn't want to deal with things. I was frightened. Um, I had all these emotions going through my mind, and you know, I just couldn't think straight. And I think I was just I was ho- hoping for a miracle. I just put my head in the sand and and went la 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 la. It'll be all right, until it wasn't all right, you know. And then I had to face facts and rehomed the the cats and you know I'd got people coming into the the flat to buy our things and you know selling everything at peanut prices because there was nowhere for them to go and and it was just so destroying it was like one thing after another thing after another thing after another thing and I rehomed the the pets but I was determined to keep Bear because he was my little rescue cat and he'd got one eye and no tail and all his teeth were kicked in and, you know, he'd had a really rough time of things. And there was no way I was being parted from him. And obviously I couldn't rent a room because very few places in Cornwall allow people with pets. They don't like it, you know. So my options were really limited. Um, so it had to be a caravan or the street, you know, and obviously I didn't want to be on the street Bear wouldn't have wanted to be on the street, so we moved into a caravan on the shittest caravan park in the world um, and just tried to kind of crack on, you know, and I'm sat there in this little place surrounded by, like, bin bags with shoes and clothes and, and just me and Bear. And then six weeks after I moved in, I had to put Bear to sleep. So, yeah, I just remember this particular morning just looking at him. He went to stand up and, and fell over. And I was just like, oh, no, no, please not this as well. And it was, you know, I, I took him to the vets because I loved him so much. There was no way I, you know, I, I wouldn't prolong anything. And I, I basically rocked up in floods of tears with this cat box and, and bear. And the vet just took one look and just said, look, you know, with all due respect, if, if you had a healthy-ish cat last night and you've got this this morning, he's not going to last. And so I put him to sleep and it absolutely destroyed me. And, and I walked out of vets and I remember just my head just going. Do you know what I mean? It was just, that was the final straw. I actually felt my head go. And I got back to my caravan and I remember just sitting in this caravan, breaking my heart and, and screaming at God, going, what do you want? What do you want from me? Because I've got nothing left now. Everything has gone. It's just me here in this caravan, on this shit caravan site, and I can't handle it. I can't, I can't do this anymore. It's, it's too much. And that was it. I flipped the switch because 
while he was in the caravan with me, I could stay there because I'd got a purpose. You know, I'd, I would be feeding him and looking after him and things. And with him gone, it just felt like a coffin. You know, and I'm surrounded by all these people partying and, and being idiots and taking my things and unplugging my electric so they can plug in an extra thing. Or, you know, it, 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 I just wanted to lose my mind quietly somewhere. And I couldn't, I couldn't relax. I couldn't do anything. And so I just went walkabouts. You know, I, I, I couldn't be there because I was grieving for him. He wasn't there, you know, when I needed him to be there. I couldn't bear being alone by myself. And so I just go off into town and, and sit in a bar and pretend that I was normal and everything was fine. And I'd look around at all these people just sat, you know, in Weatherspoons or wherever and they're drinking their beer and they're, they're just getting on with their day. And I just pretended that I was just a girl sat in a bar getting on with her day. And it was how I coped with it. You know, and I wasn't just a girl sat in a bar getting on with the day. My life was an absolute car crash. But I couldn't, I couldn't process it. And you say that your, your head had gone. Mm. And you say that you've had a breakdown. Mm. Was that the moment that was of the moment that, that I knew then categorically I did not care what happened to me at that point. You know, I was like, do you know what? I'm done with this. It's not funny. I can't take any more loss, loneliness. I can't take any more pressure. I haven't got it to give you whatever it is that you're looking for from me. I don't have it, you know. And that was the start, definitely, because him dying was the last thing that was keeping me together. You know, he was like my glue. And people will say, oh, he's just a cat and this. He wasn't. You know, you see people on the streets with their dogs and, and they won't be parted. It's more than that. It's all the emotion. It's the responsibility that you feel. It's the love that they give you. It's having something to cling to. And when I didn't have him, I didn't care about anything else, you know? I was, I was just absolutely lost. And I, I, I just turned into this wrecking ball, I think, you know, I, I don't know if I was looking for bad consequences or whether I just didn't see the situations that I was walking into, but everything, it was like whack-a-mole. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? It was like I'd I just wake up every morning and just wait for the next whack over the head with a hammer. And, and you get to the stage then where you don't care anymore. You're just like, do your worst. I was like that, and it's a dangerous state of mind to be in. You know. So you were or became an alcoholic mm. at this point? Yeah, I'd, I'd, uh, my genetics, obviously my family background, it, it runs in the family. And, you know, I'd had a brush in the past that I'd managed to kind of turn around. And I've always had the potential to drink a lot without being addicted, you know. And obviously the first thing that happened when, when he left was uh, it was my coping mechanism you know, a bottle of wine, another bottle of wine, another bottle of wine, because I just didn't want to deal with it. I was scared. I was scared to be by myself. Um, and, yeah, and it, it led into addiction. And it, I don't know, you know, I can't pinpoint the day or the month or whenever where I knew I was addicted. I just became addicted. And, and it, that was horrendous because... 
you know, you think you're hitting rock bottom with everything that I was losing and everything that was, was going on. Each time you hit the ground, you go, this has got to be it. And then it isn't. It's like somebody's there going, da-da, guess what? There's another one yet. And you just go down and down and down and down. And that's what it was like. And I went from being this like outgoing, bubbly, confident woman to an alcoholic tramp, basically, sleeping on borrowed sofas. I weighed six stone. You know, my hair was falling out. I looked horrendous. But even then, I was like, as long as I put my makeup on, I'd look at myself and think I look fine. Do you know what I mean? And, and people that were seeing me in the street, they were like, Denise, you, you don't look very well. Are you all right? And I'm thinking, I'm all right. Yeah, why? Right. You know, I, I didn't know what the problem was because I'd shut down from it. I, I just remember walking down the street, you know, on different occasions. And it's like, it's like you don't belong there anymore. It's, it's like you're seeing normal life going on around, but you can't quite process it. You know, people are holding hands and walking dogs and stuff, and you're just putting one foot in front of the other going, <laughs> what? <laughs> it, it made no sense, you know? Were you able to work through this time? No, I, I held a job down for a while, but it, it, I couldn't in the end. You know, I was, I was physically ill. I just, I, I couldn't do it. And it's, uh, I was just, there was nothing to me. I, by the time I'd got addicted... My withdrawals were so bad anyway. I couldn't go more than a couple of hours without a drink, you know, and it's, it's, I was an absolute mess. You know, nobody would have employed me anyway. They'd be like, oh, sorry, love, you're all right, thanks. And, and you talk about not caring about yourself being very unkempt. In the film, you talk about blokes coming onto you yeah. when you were obviously out of it. Yeah, and, that, and that's the thing, it's like... Now that I'm well and I'm, I'm focused and stuff, you look back and go, really? But they really would. You know, it's not like uh, I was a supermodel. I was, I was on my horse. And people were still going, oh, but, you know, because they see an opportunity. And that was something that was really apparent as well. It's like there's a caveat. You know, some people really do want to help. You know, like my friends wanted to help me. But I was beyond their help, you know. While I was drinking, you know, they got families and things like that. They couldn't have that around, you know. So you, you're mixing with people that aren't necessarily very nice people. And, you know, they just see an opportunity and, you know, they're buying you a drink, then they'll buy you another drink. And, of course, I'm saying, yes, OK, thank you, because I was an idiot and, and not in a very good headspace. But I look back now and I go, Jesus, wow. You know? People just exploiting your vulnerability. Mm, yeah, absolutely. You know, it, 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 it was obvious. It was obvious that it wasn't a good day and, and my days were Groundhog Day. But, you know, looking back, there aren't any photos of me at, at that time, but, you know, I was like a size four or something ridiculous. My clothes weren't even fitting me. I had the same boots on for, like, days on end. And, you know, I, uh, my hair was all patchy and crap. And I was pulling my hair out with stress. I, I was actually, I was sat in a bar, and I, I remember a, a friend coming over, and, and she said, look, I'm just going to have to tell you this. 
She said, do you know how much of your hair you're pulling out? And I, I didn't realise it was subconscious. I was trying to soothe myself, but I was pulling it out at the same time. And it's like, who would want to, you know, even try with somebody that was that ill or that desperate? But people did, you know, and it, it's like, it terrifies me. I look back now and I get so scared for other people in that situation I, I walk down the street stone cold sober in daytime and I can be frightened by things. And then I look back at all the times that I was completely out of it, bimbling around like a wrecking ball, not knowing how I was getting to where it, wherever it was I was getting, waking up with no recollection of things. You know, I'd, I'd fallen downstairs or I'd like smashed my eye. I'd done stupid things to myself. Didn't remember half of it. And it's like, it terrifies me that that's how I lived my life, you know? Was the, if you'll forgive the cliche, a low point, the point at which you said, I am truly at rock bottom now? I, I, I remember I was, there were a few things. There was me nearly being refused <laughs> to see it on the National Express because I'd got a can of lager in my bag. I was on the platform and I'd opened this can to have a drink. I wasn't even on, on the coach. And some jobs worth came over and, and said, you can't be doing that, you know, blah, blah, blah. Put it in the bin. And I took him to one side and I said, look, I, I need this. I said, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm not doing it to break the rules. I said, but I, I need to have a drink at the minute. I'm not, I'm not very well. And instead of going, okay, you know, bin, now. And then he turned on the person that had been talking to me and said, are you with her? And I was like, all I thought was, I've got to get on this coach. I have to get back home, you know, back. And... Um, I put my can in the bin and then I just thought it was only like an hour or two hours on the coach but when the withdrawals hit this they're horrendous so there was that and there was me with my support worker in a, a meeting and I had to stop and run and, and be sick in the toilets and she's like holding my hair back and stroking my hair and I'm going can you just help me <laughs> can you just help me because I can't I can't do this you know and, and she fast-tracked me, I think. I can't even remember engaging with adaption and the services that I engaged with. I can't remember actually doing that. But they kept me focused. You know, my one meeting a week on a Wednesday made sure that I didn't drink as much on that Wednesday because I was trying to stay focused for my meeting and, and I'd count my weeks by Wednesdays, you know, and, and, and that's kind of how it worked. So from that incredibly low situation yeah. then, you're sitting in front of me today, not at all like the woman that you described. Yeah, yeah. Over what period of time has, has that recovery happened and, and how did it come about? The recovery, I went into detox in November 2016 um, and I did six weeks in detox. And that, I was just so relieved. You know, I was I was I had to get drunk <laughs> the morning of detox, but apparently that's standard anyway. Um, like when you went in, <laughs> because you know, you know, you're going in there and you're not you're not getting your hands on anything for the duration. So I had four pints, and um, I rocked up, and, and pff, they couldn't touch me that day because obviously I've been drinking and you know all of that stuff. But I just remember this sense of relief that I knew I was in the right place and it was like I just had this determination in me I think everything was so 
messed up and so horrible. You know, I was getting into situation after situation after situation and I'd got a horrible boyfriend and all these different things that were like bringing me down more. That when I was in detox, I was like, I can breathe, you know? And that's, they told me how much I weighed in detox. I didn't know until I went there and I just remember being weighed and she was like, you're six stone four. And, and I'm like, oh, you know? Um, so yeah, so getting to detox for me, I knew, I just had this thing in my head that once I got into detox, I knew I was gonna be all right. And, and I was, you know, I stayed for six weeks, which is a long stay really. Um, and then it, they took me straight from detox to rehab. So the whole process of, of that was four months. And I went to um, the homeless association and the next day they got me into a hostel. So, yeah. And you've been off the booze since? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Nearly three years? Yeah, it'll be three years, November the 29th. Mm. And now you're a writer. That's yes not what you want to be that's what you are you've yeah. written this film yeah. what role in your recovery did writing this is depression Massive. play not just this is depression this is depression is like this is the icing on the cake for me as far as i'm concerned the whole writing in the first place was therapy for me a, f a friend spoke to me and, and she was like look I know you, you know, I know what you're capable of. You're a very, very focused, capable person. Write. She said, just start writing stuff. She said, I don't care what it is, just write. And she wasn't a support worker or any professional. She was a friend of mine. And you'd never written before then? No, no, only like bits and pieces in school, but, you know, nothing, no. Um, and she said, look, I'm going to make you a website. And she said, and you're going to write and you're going to start putting stuff out. <laughs> she, yeah, she must have been psychic, bless her. Um, and so we did that. She, she gifted me this website and, and I started writing these little blogs and, you know, I put an account on Twitter. And Just a Girl became because, like, as, you know, as I was saying to you as we were kind of heading into town... I wanted to be anonymous, you know, I, I wasn't confident, I'm still not confident, but you know, it, it's, it's better than it was. Um, I didn't want people pointing fingers or, you know, going, oh, that's her, I used to fall over in Weatherspoons, <laughs> or I didn't want that because I wouldn't have been able to put my work up, you know, I, I needed, if I was writing to an audience, I didn't want to see that audience, I just wanted them to read things from somebody that they didn't know. And so I had a little avatar and, you know, just a girl. Because she, we were bandying names and she was like, oh, what about it's just me? Or, and I said, no, it, 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 just a girl fits. Because I was. I was just a, a woman, really. But it means if it can happen to me, it can happen to anybody. So it, it, it was fitting, you know, the, the name and, and the avatar and everything at the time. And so that's what I did. So I started to write and I put these little blogs up. And I think it was when This Is Depression was written, that's the one that had the impact. And I think that planted a seed. It was like, do you know what? People are taking me seriously. They like what I'm writing and they're, and they're relating to what I'm writing. And, like, and it resonates with people who've had mental health problems, yeah, people yeah, who've had alcohol addiction. Yeah, and, and people that don't have any of those things because it's a window into the world of somebody that has, that wasn't expecting that. You know, that, that's the thing. And the whole mindset of this is depression was 
I didn't want to die, even though I was killing myself, but I couldn't live the way that I was living because I, I was just there, I was just existing, you know? And, and I was mentally very, very unwell. I should have been sectioned, truthfully, hand on heart. You know, somebody should have come along and said, come on, love, just get in the van. Um, because I, I needed some kind of intervention. But the intervention that happened was, was my admission into detox. And, and that saved my life, you know. And uh, this is depression just brought everything flooding out. It was, you know, I didn't, I didn't plan for this. I didn't want any of this. I don't understand why it's all happening, why I've had to go through this. It was, it was me talking to myself as, as a, you know, a conversation with my head. And that's what all my blogs are. They're therapy blogs for me. But the reaction to the blog was what got the, the seed planted to make the film. I think there's something very spare and brutal, brutal to yourself about your writing and we're going to get you to read a poem before we finish your own poem before we get there just kind of to reflect on your situation as you say you believe if it could happen to you it could happen mm. to anybody it was a series of events that you hadn't foreseen the loss of a relationship then the loss of your cat and suddenly everything starts spiraling down is there anything that if you like, the rest of us mm. can take from that story that, that you'd say, well, look, you know, this has happened to me. This is useful for you to know. Mm. I think it's, it, it just taught me the importance of knowing that, you know, remembering that we are only human. And uh, you know yourself when things are starting to stack up. You know, and if, if, if anybody listening to this can relate and, and they're having a hard time, it doesn't have to be with alcohol or, you know, if, if just generally things are getting too much, you should speak to somebody because if you don't, you're going to be me. <laughs> and that's, that's horrendous. I wouldn't wish the journey that I've had on anybody. Depression kills people. It, and I've got depression and an addiction at the same time. Juggling one is horrendous, but trying to trying to make sense of two, whoa, you know, I wouldn't wish that on my worst enemy. You said earlier on, why me, God? I don't, do you have a religious sense, I, and did you get an answer to that question? Yeah, <laughs> I've always been spiritual. I was brought up a Catholic, but I rebelled against that when I was like 14, because <laughs> I remember being stood in church, bored, rigid, just going... But I've always been spiritual. I've always known there's something keeping an eye on me or, you know, looking out for me. Especially when I was a kid and things were chaotic at home and things. I remember talking to God once. I was sat on my bed and I was rocking because my mum was downstairs in an in a alcoholic mess. And I was, I was about 13, I think, at the time. And I, I was just, I, I felt like I was cracking up. You know, I was, there was a lot of responsibility on me. And I remember just talking to God and saying, I can't handle this. This is it's doing me in. And I felt like somebody cuddled me. It was, it was the weirdest feeling. It was like literally I felt arms go around me. And I think from that moment, I was like, do you know what? You're there. I know you're there. And even when, you know, when I was on somebody's sofa and there was, 
it didn't matter how much I was kicking back against what was happening, because I was, I was fighting against it and saying, look, I, I don't, I can't handle this. It was like I was being pushed and tested and now, you, you know, you're stronger than you think. And I was like, if this is some sort of game, it isn't funny, stop it. You know, but at the same time, I knew that I was being looked after. Like I say, the, the drunken states I would get myself in, how I'm not dead, I honestly don't know. And it, it is that, I was protected, and I believe that. And I believe that now I've come out of this situation and you know, through my writing and through the film and things like that, there's a reason for it that I couldn't see at the time. You know, it's changed the direction of my life. It's put me on a different path because the path that I was on was killing me. And uh, while I wouldn't <laughs> want to go through any of it ever again, because it was horrendous, it, it, was, it, it was worth it for this. So uh, that's, that's the conclusion I can come to. There was a reason for that. Let's hear your poem. This is from a collection uh, called Stones in Our Hands. This is a collection of poetry by clients, staff, volunteers and supporters of St Petrox. That was the um, homeless hostel where I stayed when I first came out of rehab. Okay, so my poem is called Hollow and it's, it's basically, it's snapshots, you know, it's, it's not one day or one week, it's snapshots of that period of time. So, I'm black and I'm blue, I'm feeling degraded, my hair is a mess. My makeup is faded. I look in the mirror, despise what I see. Then I look at this man who means nothing to me. I creep out the door before he awakes. I'm tired and I'm ill and there's nothing to take. I don't leave my number. I don't know his name. I'm tired and hungover and burning with shame. I creep down the back streets, avoid being seen, and I long for a shower or just to feel clean. There's no one to turn to, there's nowhere to go. It's just me and my head in this shit horror show. So I head for the basement and I open a can and I drink to get shit-faced as fast as I can. I'm all out of options, I'm running on empty. I've got nothing left now, I'm just how he left me. I'm counting the days now, I'm counting the hours because soon I'll be dead and be pushing up flowers and I'm okay with that. I'm resigned to my fate because I've tried and I've failed to keep spinning these plates. It's too much to deal with, it's too much to take and I'll tell that to God when I'm stood at his gate and I hope that he gets it, that he sees that I've tried as I drown in the river of tears that I cried because I don't want to be here, I don't want to stay in this horrible headfuck of alcohol day. So somebody help me or let's get it over. I'm all out of hope. I can't deal with life sober. So this is my story, and this was my shame, written here on my face and beside my real name. Thank you. Thank you. That's the incredible story of addiction and depression and recovery of Denise Harrison. Thank you so much for sharing Thank that with us, Denise. Me. Thank you. Thanks very much indeed for listening.